another episode of NY Just Fans podcast with hosts Davin Sharman and Chris as we get into another week of football. Um, stay tuned. We do have Joe Blue coming in to talk to us about the defense. As y'all know, the actual real first season of preseason starts on Thursday. So let's get into it. Um, Michael Thomas has signed the new deal, a $100 million five-year contract. Um, um, I'm going to start off with you, Charmin. How are you feeling about that contract? And who should get the, who should be the next one to get a contract? Listen, um, Michael Thomas deserves that money. Um, you have to understand that a guy performing at the level that he was performing was only getting paid about a million dollars, I think, wow. a season or something like that. So, so he was practically giving them Hall of Fame stats. Uh, you have to understand that uh, Mr. Thomas caught 85% of, of the balls thrown his way. Uh, he led all wide receivers by far, like when it comes to catches. So imagine, imagine a, wide, a guy, or 85% of the time he threw him the ball, he caught, he caught it, it's ridiculous. After yaks, he uh, almost always was in the top 10 in the league in yards after catch. So he's giving you a ridiculous amount of production. You can't run a team, that, that team without him, basically with the kind of ball he plays. So they had to pay him. That's why I, I believed from the beginning that he would uh, get that contract no matter what. I think, uh, of course, uh, Julio Jones would be the next one to get a contract. I don't know what they're going to do. Basically tearing up the contract that he had, I think he already has with uh, Atlanta, uh, where I think uh, if I am... He's got one I, more year left. Yeah, yeah, he got a year left on a... Yeah. At I like 11.4 he's got next year. Right. I was just about to say it was like just about a little over $10 million a year. So, um, listen... Everybody knows who Julio Jones is and what he's about. So, if if anybody deserves twenty million dollars a year, definitely is one of those guys. So, yeah, that's how I felt about that signing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Julio Jones is is going to be next. I was hearing on Pro Football Talk this week uh, they were saying that basically his contract's already done. They were just waiting for a specific date to do it. So, um, I don't see that being a problem. They've already re-signed a couple of their players. Uh, the Falcons, so I think they're yes. definitely going to take care of him. He's, you know, he's basically their franchise along with um, Matt Ryan. So I think that one's that one's not going to be a any kind of um, holdout or anything like that. No, uh, if they if they paid Grady Jarrett what they paid, imagine what they're going to pay him. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you know, then after that, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, we've been talking about it for a while with the Cowboys. You know, is it is it going to be Amari Cooper going to be next? He's not getting paid twenty million dollars. No, you no. got you got to understand the value of a guy. You ha- listen. Amari Cooper has been a solid wide receiver in the league. He had a breakout season with the Cowboys. Fine, he's a good wide receiver. He's not a great wide receiver. You understand right. me? He he's he does not carry a, the mantle of a team like Thomas does. Thomas de- basically defines what a New Orleans does throwing the ball. So, you know, and the same thing with Julio. So you understand its value for them because that's what the the guys deserve because what they do, what they carry. You know, if you're right. carrying like 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 our friend Davin likes to say all the time, Davin loves to say the cornerstones of teams, and these are the guys that you pay, the guys that practically hold up your team. 
Julio's like a top three, top three wide receiver, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, He's yeah, and he wants to get three thousand so yards. If, if Michael Thomas, <laughs> that's a a two, I'm gonna say a two A or a two B type of guy. That's that's getting twenty million. Then Julio is definitely going to get more more than Michael Thomas. You know, don't you know? And uh, it's kind of kind of crazy. But I, I the, the reason why I say Michael Thomas is kind of like a two A two B is because of course the numbers he put up with Breeze. But who knows? He might turn out to be a three or four guy when Breeze leave because you know mm. being Breeze as a Hall of Famer <laughs> that he is when you lose that kind of guy. And you don't have that quarterback that 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 breeze that what breeze can do on the field that says something different a lot. <laughs> that yeah, I will I will yeah because I was gonna argue with you, but when you say <laughs> it like that, you make more sense because this is at the I think it really points to what I was saying about value. Uh, with breeze in the game, especially the way breeze passes the ball, Thomas fits definitely fits what they do perfectly. With breeze not in the game, then. You could argue then Thomas's value falls because then you don't have that quarterback that you that you have to run that passing game through that particular wide receiver. And I they had to agree with you. Exactly. And they had to lock him up because Breeze has got oh, yeah. what a year or two left, so you gotta yeah, exactly yep. you gotta surround oh, oh. that guy with as as much as you can. And and after Thomas, there is a big drop off in their receivers. Very true. Exactly. And, and all so, all in the name of value again. That's why yep. you pay the guy. You know. That's and that's why I had to say, and I know you wanted to come at me a little bit, Charlie. <laughs> I, I make sure I, I make sure you, make I, sure you covered your bases. Yeah, I, I, sure right. I make sense of why I said what I said. It's not, <laughs> not you know, when Teddy Bridgewater might, you know, is going to be the guy after Drew Brees retire. Who knows if Drew Brees win the Super Bowl? Drew Brees can retire. I did what that's I had right. to do, and I can leave. And then the whole yep. hell might break loose. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that, that's that's the only reason why I say he's a two A two B guys because of Breeze. Right. Other than that, it, 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 it's questionable. <laughs> it's very questionable. So as we move along, uh, let's talk. Let's get it to Zeke and Jerry Jones. Um, mm-hmm. Zeke is in Cabo, Mexico, training. Um, <laughs> definitely holding out. Yeah. And Jerry Jones said they don't need a Russian champion. Uh, won a Super Bowl and, and then went out and signed Alfred Morris. So what does this mean for Ezekiel and uh, his contract situation? <laughs> this is not look. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, this is, the, this is the way I, I, I tried to comprehend this whole situation with, with Zeke. Is I know, like we, we've talked about it, they have Zeke coming up with his contract. You got Prescott and you got Cooper. You got all three of those guys, main guys on offense. Most of the time, I would say every time, on most offenses, um, priority, right, is quarterback, receiver, yep. then running back. Yep. Yep. But, but the Cowboys are a totally different story because <laughs> we've seen how important Mr. Elliott is to that, to that team and to that offense. That, that offense revolves around Zeke Elliott, not around Zach Prescott and not around true. Amari Cooper. So that's why I'm, I'm actually a little surprised – Jerry Jones is kind of putting his, you know, is kind of drawing the line in the sand here with, uh, with Elliot. I'm a little surprised at it because this is a guy that's been carrying you for the last three years. And to, to say that, I mean, he's right when he said a team doesn't need a rushing champion to be a Super Bowl champion. He's 100% correct. But, but his team. <laughs> right, but his team is a totally different story. That's, that's, the big, that's the big issue here. So I'm, yeah. I'm actually surprised that they're 
taking this kind of a step and you know drawing the line in the sand with him. I'm, I'm right. very surprised. Because because that's because this is what you call ass backwards. You right. <laughs> you would you would go out and build your team directly around a wide a running back, run him into the ground because basically we've said it over and over again the amount of touches that Ezekiel Elliott uh, um, um, has over his over his career with the Cowboys, uh, and then claim that you don't need a rushing to a rushing guy to a rushing champion to win a, a championship. What is it? Is it why would you allow for why would you even allow for all this to be happening in the first place? If you did believe that um um Dak Prescott was your 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 moon and your star, you should have paid him already. You shouldn't be waiting until now to try to negotiate a deal. That stuff should have been done already. If you if if you didn't believe that in Ezekiel Elliott, you should have already drafted somebody behind him that should at least take part of his workload away from him. That way he wouldn't be so dependent on the kind of player he was, mm. you know? So I, I'm not understanding why, why they're doing this. And, and he's, and guys, he has a history of this, you know? He once had a, a Hall of Fame coach that he fired. <laughs> if you guys remember, right. you know? And, and yes, everybody points out the fact that, yeah, he fired him and he went, went on to win a Super Bowl the next year with, uh, with the other... Um, Right, and I, I listen. Fine, but the players were there already. So who you think built the the system that was sitting there waiting for the other guy to come in? I mean, well, that, that was all Jimmy Johnson with the with the draft <laughs> and everything else. So, but. right. So this this is my point. My point my point being is that it it just seems like it's uh it it's like they're doing things as backwards. And part of the reason why they haven't been back to the playoffs or back to the, the Super Bowl after all these years is because they've been doing things backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, if you brought, if you be really believed Dak was going to be the, the, the guy, you would promote him being the guy by, okay, you give him the offensive line, but where were the weapons? Mm-hmm. Other than the running back, where were the weapons? You know, right. like well, who was the skill position guy that you got? that made me think that Dak, you wanted Dak to be the guy. Who was the wide receiver that you got? Who was, I mean, I mean, Witten is a tight end, fine. But who was the wide receiver that you brought and told me that you would pair with Dak for the next so many years? Nothing. The guy you brought in was Ezekiel Elliott, and you didn't, and now you're telling me that you don't need him? I don't get this. Well, uh, it, it's, here's the other thing, too. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking on, on one end here that they're not 100% behind Prescott either. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, because you would think that he should be signed before any of them. You know, you could sign your quarterback first, and so I, I don't know. Something's – I don't know what plan they got going right now, but, you know, after this year, you might have nobody. So yep. they gotta they got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out quick. If they want to, you know, be hard with, uh, with Elliott, they should at least sign up with Prescott. But maybe they're saying – you know what? After this year, let's move on from Prescott. But what do they got? I think I think you I know? think uh, I will I will side with uh, Josina Anderson. I think she was interviewed one uh, or she was on a show on ESPN, and she said basically from what she's hearing from Cowboys camp that they're not even really worried about it. Meaning that the Dak Prescott deal is gonna is imminent, like it's gonna be happening anytime soon. So yes, mm-hmm. they're signing him. Fine, fine. That's your guy. Well, hurry up and sign him, all right? right. Because Apparently, you're losing one guy to uh, Mexico, so can't <laughs> help you. 
Yeah, because I'm sure he's not feeling too good right now, Prescott, unless he unless they know, hey, don't worry about it. We got you. We're going to sign you, whatever, you know. But yeah. it just looks it, it looks very strange how they're doing it. Yeah, I wasn't ex- – if my one – if the one guy that would make me have the numbers I've had for the years I've been playing football, you're going to take him away from me and you're going to throw money at me, I would be pissed off. I'd be in Jerry Jones's office saying, dude, Please sign Elliot now because even if you sign me, I'm my game ain't gonna be that good because the one guy that helped me the most, he ain't here. Exactly. I mean, I get what Jerry Jones is saying. You know, we always can just say, for example, Tom Brady and the Patriots, because they never have, they always have a shitty rushing game, but they still <laughs> manage to win championships. I get it. But in this, but in this situation, you need Ezekiel Elliott. When he got suspended six games, you we saw nothing but less than average or average at best those six games and they didn't go to the playoffs that year if i recall so um yeah if i'm jerry jones i'll try to get a get a deal but then at the same time you know we always say you know the quarterback is the first one that signs they deal so i don't i don't get what's going on the cowboys is ass backwards in this situation and and you know here's another thing with prescott you know how much he's making this year for a quarter, starting quarterback, he's making two million dollars this year. Just yep. About to say there two million. <laughs> and the last, in the last three years, he's made six thirty, five forty, and four fifty. Hmm. So, yeah, so, they, so they've saved money these last four years with this guy. So well, you know what? Yeah. Pay the guy, Elliot. Yep. You know he's been paid about the, where he should be, about nine million. But he's definitely asking for top pay, which he should get. He's the top. If he's not the top running back, he's second or third. I mean, we could. We could uh, go about our list another day, but, you know, he's right up there. Yeah, our list is always different. But, you know, at <laughs> yeah. the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, like Zeke, Zeke going to have to be signed or basically they're going to have to go with Alfred Morris, who has who has been irrelevant since uh, his first season. His days in, in Washington? He's a good backup right now. He's not, a, he's not your, you know, your starting running back. I mean. No. Especially compared to Elliott. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so as we move along, um, I'm like, uh, I didn't get to watch the Hall of Fame. Um, I do want to shout out Champ Bailey, Every, Kevin Mawai, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Gil Brandt, Johnny yep. Thompson. If I if I recall, the Broncos owner, uh, Pat Bowling. Rest in peace to you. Um, like, uh, Chris has done his, his notes. Um, I'm, I'm Chris. Go right ahead and uh, give you your take on the Hall of Fame. Uh, no, it was a great night. You know, it always is. Um, uh, first up was Gil Brandt. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows Gil Brandt, but Gil Brandt basically revolutionized scouting as we know it yep. today. The guy was with the Cowboys for about 30 years. He drafted that first draft pick, which turned out to be Bob Lilly, Hall of Famer. Um, just real quick, he drafted 16 of the 19 Cowboys that are in their ring of honor. Wow. Okay. That's, and you, you know how great uh, all these great plays that came from the Cowboys. He yes. also he also signed some undrafted players that we all know. Drew Pearson he signed undrafted. Safety Cliff Harris. Safety Bill Bates. Linebacker Dave Edwards. Cornerback Everson Walls, who's arguably a Hall of Famer as well. Hall of Famer, yeah. His yep. last two – this is another big thing. His last two draft picks, his last two number one draft picks were Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. <laughs> oh Both God. Hall of Famers. So this guy, he's he's definitely a legend, and he definitely deserves to be in there. Um, another guy, Johnny Robinson, I didn't know anything about. Yeah, um, 
Uh, yeah, uh, he's a free safety. He started off as a running back with the uh, Chiefs. Uh, after two years, he was pretty decent too. Uh, but then he went to be a free safety, and he ended up with 57 career interceptions in only about 10 seasons. Okay? Ooh, and here's another thing just to show you what kind of a clutch play this guy was. In games that he had an interception, his teams went 37-3-1. and one. Okay? And in their Super Bowl victory over Minnesota, he had an interception and a fumble recovery as well. Come on. So, and that was only in 12 years, this guy, he accomplished all that. So I don't know why they took so long to put him in there. Right. Um, third, yep. up was, third up was our guy, Kevin Mawai. Eight years with us, four with Seattle, four with Tennessee. Um, eight-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro, All-Decade hmm. team 2000s. He blocked for 13 1,000-yard rushes. All right. Oh, and, and he started 177 straight games. Ridiculous. Uh, the Pat Bolin, the, uh, the beloved owner from the Broncos, in his time there since 1984, he had the third most wins, 333 wins mm-hmm. for them during that span, seven Super Bowl appearances, which is the second most, and he also had three wins um, during that time. And uh, next up was Ty Law, another yes, former Ty Jet Law. for two years. Former two, Jet for two years, yep. yep. Ten years in New England, 15 years total, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, two-time first-team All-Pro. Um, then our next up was Ed Reed, you know, oh, arguably yeah. the greatest safety ever. Safety ever. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 13-year career, nine-time Pro Bowler, five-time uh, first-team All-Pro, 64 career interceptions, seven of them returned for touchdowns. Ridiculous. Two fumble recoveries returned for touchdowns. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in 04. Um, Champ Bailey. Uh, 15-year career, started with um, Washington, then was traded to Denver, 52 career interceptions, including four four pick sixes, Uh, 12-time Pro Bowler, which is the most as a cornerback, Um, first-team All-Pro three times. Also played wide receiver sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, all-decade team in the 2000s. And remember, when he first started, just to show you who he learned from, when he first got there, he played with uh, Deion Sanders, and he also played with Dow Green. So he had some pretty good uh, coaches there. Not coaches, but play, plays to uh, show him. And the, the one that was finished up the night was Tony Gonzalez. He is, without a doubt, the greatest tight end that's ever yes, played. 17 years, 12 with KC, 5 with Atlanta. 14-time Pro Bowler, 6-time first-team All-Pro, uh, most receptions, uh, receiving yards and touchdowns as a tight end. The only person to catch more balls than him was the greatest of all time, Mr. Jerry Rice. Um, yeah, as, a, as catch, a tight end. Right. No, no, but I'm saying reception. No, I, right. I'm just saying that a tight end did that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's a, it is amazing. Only And he had 211 straight games with a catch. And um, it's just amazing so many players – and next year they're gonna they're gonna put in twenty players because of the uh, anniversary, and I'm okay with that because, like you just said, uh, guys that they miss all the time. There's guys, there's guys that we don't know that they just don't talk about. You know, uh, that, gonna, that were pioneers, pioneers of football, man. That 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 don't get the love that they're supposed to. That they waited too, or they they have waited too long to get love. 
And I think we're all hoping for uh, Joe Klecko to get in next year. Uh, yes, one of the, that's exactly who I was saying. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. And, and, and just to add, just to add to what you was you were saying, um, I think I think I think all every time this comes up, I think a big the biggest thing that is missed in all this is the is what community means. I know um, football is about community, and and it and it's and it and it kind of reflects what we need more than anything in our lives, man. This is what community creates. Community creates great leaders and great players and great human beings. You know, the fact that we uh, uh, divide ourselves from each other is the reason why we're so weak as a society, man. Football, if you see, this is what the community creates. And Ed Reed, he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, you hear these stories about the lives these guys had, basically almost had to survive through crap just to get to somewhere and then not only become a, a just a, a, a regular human being, but become somebody that, you know, that, that, that did all these stuff that we, you know, that we in awe about, you know, I think, I think as human beings, man, football is such one of the th- reasons why I love football so much, so much is because of the community you know, it creates, man. We need to go back to that, man. We, I, you know, football, that's why I love football. Uh, you know, they all have these great stories that they've, you know, that they came from nothing. They came from a, you know, a poor household and, and all and these kind this, of things. Yeah, and yeah. this one, this one helped them and that one helped them along the way and this guy helped them along the way and this lady helped yeah. them along the way. Each one and had a story yeah. about that, you know. Exactly, it's because of the community, man. It's like somebody just turning their head, you know, instead of turning their back on them, reached out, you know, and helped them out, you know, along the way to make them become who they were, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why as human beings, we need to stop with the division and we need to go back to the days when we just love people, man. That's, that's, that's what, that's where I was trans lives. Uh, I, I do have one flaw in the whole thing though. Um, it, it took the Washington Redskins one week before the hall of fame uh, event to tell Champ Bailey that he that he was in the Hall of Fame, which I I don't understand. Um, Washington, come on, dude, you know what we say. Like, come on, like I don't know what's going on between what what happened between Champ Bailey and the Redskins. Um, but come I on. didn't I didn't hear about that. What what was that? Yeah, about? I never heard of that. That's like, first time. But like, yeah, I, I have read an article about it last last night. Um, I don't know. It like the article was there since I think. Day or Wednesday or something like that, and it was this one that just caught my eye, and I was like, "Let me just look at it. Let me read it." And yeah, they waited like basically, I guess the Redskins and Champ Bailey had something going on. Um, I don't know before I guess he got traded to to Denver or before he went to Denver, and, and long story short, it just didn't work out too good. So they waited till the last week, like last last week, <laughs> just to tell him, "Oh yeah, you made the Hall of Fame. Congratulations." <laughs> oh, I see it now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they didn't congrat- congratulate him on the Hall of Fame induction until this this week. Yeah, terrible. That's pretty crazy. That's terrible. That's Washington for you. When when yeah. did when did Washington ever make you understand that they're a a, a really good ran well ran franchise? Did they ever do anything to make you believe well, that? <laughs> well, there you go. From you know, uh, Pat Bolin is in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest owners, and then Daniel Snyder is the complete opposite. Right, because of stuff like this, no class, and uh, it's it's sad, you know. But you know, he was there five years, but still, you should acknowledge 
you know what? You still should acknowledge him when they first announced it, you know, a couple of months ago. They announced it, um, they announced it right before the Super Bowl, don't they? The night before. Who's getting yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, now you and now you you know, you say congratulations, it should have been that night. You know, they're, you send out a tweet yeah, or whatever you gotta do. I mean they yeah, they they've always been half assed. So um, as we move along, let's give a quick take on uh, Tom Brady signed the two-year extension, $23 million uh, this season. What is your quick take on that? Is that is that two years? That means two years from now he's going to retire? That's the question. Just, yeah. I mean, everybody knows everybody knows they were going to sign some kind of extension, but uh, does that mean two years from now he's done? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I, you know what? I think he's going to take it year by year. You know, when when the contract is up, then he'll see how he feels. If he still feels like he did this year, he'll say, all right, give me another year or two. I think that's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to sign a, you know, like an eight-year contract and say, all right, I'm going to play till 50. Right, yeah. No 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 businessman in his right mind would sign a 40-something-year-old quarterback for eight years. I don't care how indestructible you think Tom Brady is. Father time is coming. It might catch him late. But it, it it won't be never. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. I think the second year is an option for him to retire or to stay. So we'll we'll just see what happens as time will move along. That's just my quick take on that. Um. Let's talk about the Dolphins real quick. Uh, nice. Dolphins fired their offensive line coach, and they already saying that so far Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback over Josh Rosen. Um. How should we hmm. feel about that? I, I we brought up that topic when you when you first brought up that topic, Davin. I was saying, I was saying number one. Um, um, normally, you they do so much vetting when it comes to coaches and 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 players. How would how would you miss that your your offensive line coach is inept enough that six months in six six months into him being hired, you've turned so much against him that you need to fire him. Makes absolutely no sense to me. To me, that's an indictment on 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 the organization. Uh, on that number number two, uh, why in the hell would you say Fitz Magic is your starting quarterback? <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no it, sense. I, oh my! I mean, if they weren't our direct enemies, that I I I would be even more going even crazier because I just don't understand how you do something like that. The only thing you could do is take Rosen and try to build him up and try to see what he has. Right. You know, that's right. all. Because at least then, if he doesn't have anything, you'll be picking low in the draft and you could pick somebody like Jake Fromm or somebody coming out, you know, right. or that or- or Oregon kid, you know. Instead, you're what are you going to do? You're going to start Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. If you want to tank, that's the worst thing you should do is start Fitzpatrick because basically he's going to go on a run where he's going to win like five games and you're going to be picking like six. <laughs> yeah, no, just instead, start instead, of, instead of a – Right. Start Rosen. Start Rosen. Got, and if he stinks, like you said, they're going to have a bad year. They're going to pick first or second overall and they're going to be in line to, tra- you know, to draft one of the top quarterbacks. But exactly, and if Rosen works out good, and they have a bad year, say, then they got a, a really high draft pick. They could trade down, get a bunch of picks because oh, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for a quarterback next year. Yeah, so yeah. you know, we'll see. I don't know. We'll 
we'll see. Uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's yeah. Fitz tragic. It's gonna have three <laughs> good games, and then all of a sudden, all, all hell gonna break loose. And we saw what happened. That's exactly what he's doing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's not even having. Yep. He's not he had even an MVP. He. They was talking about. Oh, he having an MVP <laughs> season after three games. Next thing we know, he threw five interceptions. Five interceptions. Yeah. Man, it's terrible. This it makes terrible. it just makes no sense. I mean, they're not gonna win many games anyway. I think I think we've we've already talked about that. Yeah. So. It, to me, it just makes no sense to not start Rosen. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it, man. Man, let's move along with this. With the, with after that, with that the situation. Good luck to them. But uh, <laughs> I think about it real quick. Their first game, first game is home against Baltimore. Oh, that's and a then loss. right, and right, then the next yeah. game is is New England. Oh, that's oh. another loss. Yeah. All right, and yeah. then, and then oh, Dallas, yeah. and then Dallas is the next week. Oh. I thought I thought ours were worse. Was worse. Damn. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Unless the only way, the only thing I'm thinking is maybe they're trying to protect Rosen. They don't want to throw him in the fire the first couple of weeks. What? No, I'm he just was saying, in the fire. What do you mean you no, don't want to throw him in no, the no, fire? No, no, because they that's don't where have, he came from. No, just think about this for a second. Their offensive line <laughs> is is garbage. It's worse than ours. Oh. They fired their their O line coach, right? So obviously yeah. their offensive line is doing garbage. So maybe they're like, hey, if yeah, one Rosen, guy, they, hey, that's pretty good on the line. That's right. About think about it. it. If if Rosen is is gonna be their future, why throw him out there the first couple of weeks when he's gonna get killed? You know, throw Fitzpatrick out there. Let him. Who cares what happens to him because he's not gonna be around next year anyway. So let him get killed for the first couple of weeks. I don't know. All, all, all like like Davin just said, fits tra- magic to fits tragic because basically what he's gonna do is he's gonna win two or three games that you never thought he's gonna win. And then it's gonna put you out of contention for picking the best quarterback in the draft. So uh, you should. I'd be shocked if they win any of those games. Those first, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I don't see them yeah. winning any of them games. I, w- I was shocked when he threw for 500 yards or whatever the hell he did for four yeah. touchdowns. <laughs> so that, that's what Dallas, he does. That's what he Dallas, does, they got man. The Chargers. First four oh, yeah, games: yeah, yeah. Baltimore, oh, yeah, yeah. Baltimore, New England, Dallas, then the Chargers. Yeah, they then they got then they got then they got a week off and then they got the, the Redskins. So there's their possible win. Yeah, and I don't think they win that game. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, but exactly. Let's, let's, let's move along to the Jets real quick. Um, quick take on of one Jets drive episode three. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, you know what? I didn't see it yet. Oh, nobody didn't watch it. Oh, I I, I can give a quick take then. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, go my, for it. My take, my take for that was uh, I just can't very remember. Exciting. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Um, they got they got right. depth with Le'Veon Bell and uh, and what's his name? Uh, Osimile. They got yeah, depth with Osimile. So yeah. Yes. So uh, it was it was a good it was a basically a good episode and more about training camp and what what we should expect. Yes. Similarly, is very excited, and you know, he's very excited for the season, and you know, that's about it. So there you go. That's my. That's just my quick take on that. Um, I think. I think that's about what it was, anyway. Yeah. yeah but, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't too. It wasn't too special. It was just something no. that you know to get more in depth with Le'Veon Bell and Osimile, which makes a lot of sense. Um, yes. Ryan Ryan Khalil uh, came out of retirement and signed with the Jets. Uh, was that was that a move that that that's that, that that was a must, must made move for the Jets. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was a must. We've had we've had multiple conversations about w- what our worries are. I mean, you know, 
my feelings on Brand Brandon Shell uh, after watching Joe Blewett's breakdown is, uh, <sighs> yeah, I want to throw up. Uh, Brandon Shell is worse than I thought. And, um, and if you need that kind of caliber player, I'm not saying that physically he is the same Pro Bowl type uh, center that he was, but imagine the kind of knowledge he could impart onto the guys around him, especially um, 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 Harrison uh, and, and, and Sam. You know, this guy has seen every kind of defense that's, that's known to any kind of football, um, football player or football coach. You need that kind of guy, you know, to help Sam. Because at this point, guys, this is, this is, this is, Sam is on, Sam, the way Sam is, is playing and the way he's going, you know, he needs those little kicks. This, those little additions to his game. And, you know, a senior guy right there in his ear telling him, hey, listen, uh, this protection is better um, instead of the one you called, you know. Uh, um, this guy's coming and this guy, he's, he's sugaring, but he's, he's not going to come, you know, and stuff like that. Little things that, that only pros that's been doing it for 14 years could tell you, you know. So I, I think it's a great move by the Jets. Listen, I, 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 I think that he'll barely beat beat off up um beat Harrison to start. Uh but I think it'll be a help for both Harrison and for Sam Donald. I agree. I think this is a great move. I mean at the very least he'll be a, a great uh coach and he could teach Harrison yes. you know how to how to read the defenses and how to set up your line and, and all that, set up the yep. blocking. Uh I thought this was a great move and you know in his little interview or whatever they had on uh uh, NewYorkJets.com. I thought it was great. Um, he um, he's he's definitely ready to go. I mean, I think it's going to take him a while to get, you know, to get into yes. shape because they said yes. he had lost about thirty pounds, but then he gained it back. So yeah. I'm sure he's going to take a little while. So we may not see uh, the best of Mac until maybe a few weeks into the season as well. But can, at least can we you got. Believe, you know, can you believe that he when they asked him, he said he was two ninety five. They asked him. How much, did, how, much, how much did he weigh when he played all these years? Can you believe this guy played center in the league for all these years under 300 pounds? That's ridiculous. It is. <laughs> the only guy I could think of that plays Jeez. that light is um, – I'm sure there's others, but uh, the one guy that comes across is the center from the Eagles. Oh, no, uh, no, nah, nah, he's bigger than that. It's I don't know, man. He's, he's tiny. No, nah, yeah, he's, he's 305, man. Like, he's regular center weight. He's, like, about 305. Because they yeah. always say he's he smaller does... than, than the average center. That's why. Yeah, but I think he's 305. I, I could almost bet he's 305. Because about 304, 305. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was a good move. So yeah, no, absolutely. And it's going to help Sam Darnold uh, build. You know, build more into his development and how to communicate with his uh with his line, with his offensive lineman. So you know, that's Agreed. all I that's all I can say about that. And uh, one more quick, quick, uh, quick, quick take. Uh, Jets training camp and uh, Dumb needing a new kicker. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, we need a new kicker. Our kicker so, uh is struggling in training camp. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, everybody's gushing over Sam Donald. Uh, beat writers coming out left and right talking about. In all the years they've covered the Jets, they've never watched a practice where the quarterback is like killing the defense. Even on his bad days, he's looking like a real upper echelon quarterback. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, uh, there's a sighting, um, multiple sightings actually. You could see that he's learning the defense and he's starting to come up, come up, 
Quinn and same thing. Uh, multiple plays where he just comes out of nowhere, like like and and takes out takes out the running backs. Uh, you could see that that once he starts learning his place in the NFL, he's gonna be a beast, like we all know he's gonna be. Uh, shout out to Cashman again. This dude looks like he's gonna nail. He's gonna put make a place for himself in that on this team. Uh, he's constantly getting reps with the ones and twos, meaning that the coaches really trust him. Uh, Tim White, shout out, uh, wide receiver, uh, catching everything they throw to him. And this dude never goes, he never, he leaves the field after, um, he's the last one leaving the field every night after practice. That means the dude wants it. Uh, uh, if you guys want to know uh, enough about, um, more about Tim White, uh, there's a story written by Steve Serby in the post about his, about his life growing up. Uh, catch, catch that one. Okay. Yeah, um, I think, and last but not least, uh, you know, uh, this, please get a get a new kicker because we need them. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll take a little 15, 20 second commercial break. But when we get back, we'll have Joe Blewett talk about the defense and uh, what should we expect from them uh, as we get into preseason. Yeah, welcome guys to a uh, uh, second uh, sec- section of our uh, podcast uh, today. Um, we have our uh, resident film expert, Joe Blewett uh, from TOJ Film Room. Uh, Joe, what's up, man? How you doing? Um, you know what it is. Uh, a couple weeks before the season starts, uh, it's about a month. We have preseason coming, so film reviews of that coming. Uh, Jets signed Khalil, so uh, pumping out that one. And then I actually literally just before I got on here – uh, redownloaded DraftKings and I realized I had two hundred dollars in my account that I had no idea I had. So pretty good day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. X maps the spot. Gold. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, uh, uh, can you give us a little uh, snippet of uh, what do you what do you think what do you think of uh, Ryan Cudill? Nope. Not good. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. And I don't know like what the rankings are, pro football focus, and what everybody's saying. I know a lot of people are saying he's around average. Um, obviously, you know, I, I talked about it on my podcast a couple of days ago. And just from the mental side of what he's going to do for Donald, I know he's getting a little bit older. He's 33, 34 years old. But in terms of recognizing fronts and blitzes and, and stunt pickups, um, help IDing the mic, help IDing defenses uh, in the film room with Donald and, you know, everything like that. That's going to help right right from the jump right there without even getting to what he does on the on the, uh, on the the field. On the field, I would say he's he's somewhere in that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say in that 12 to 17 range. So I think he's an average type player on the field um, in terms of his physical abilities and what he could do on, you know, specific blocks. But I think when you, when you, you pair that with, you know, what he does in the film room, what he does on the field for, for Donald, like I said, with IDing those defenses, et cetera. Um, he's, he's, he's a top, he's, you know, I would say he's top half of the league center, maybe in that, like I said, 10 to 12 range. And if you, if you compile all that stuff together, so uh, he's wow. still super athletic. 
Um, you could you could see him, you know, covering multiple gaps. Uh, you know, there's been multiple times on this film review that I've been doing and recording that, you know, he's reaching a free technique as as a center, you know, on an outside zone. So he still has wow. the the athleticism. So don't act like he doesn't have that. Now with that athleticism, it it, it, it comes with him being a little bit undersized. I believe the, the other day when he was interviewed, he said he's at 297 right now, and he's used to, used to playing at 295, which is a little bit light for a center. So there are some games where he will struggle with bigger guys, um, specifically the the Ravens game and I watched when he had to play, uh, play uh, Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. He definitely struggled a little bit because those guys are two, uh, 340, 345 pounds. So anytime you with great technique, um, when you're when you're out leveraged by by 50 more pounds, it's it's going to be pretty hard. So he struggled a little bit with with those guys. He's a guy who you want to have positional leverage, not not physical leverage. And and with that, that basically means physical leverage is me getting under your pads. A uh, positional leverage is okay. You know, you're in the a gap. I'm going to put my body in the a gap. So I'm going to beat you to a spot, not really beat you by getting under you. So he fits kind of what a lot of the other offensive linemen on the Jets are, are able to do. Um, Beecham's a guy who's not going to, you know, not get under anybody's pads, not move anybody. So you want him to have positional leverage. Same with Khalil, same with uh, Winters for the most part, and same with Shell, even though I don't think Shell is really good at much of anything, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm really, really low on Shell. Um, Clutchio Semele is a guy who can do both, but is more about physical leverage. So I think four of the five guys are, are more of the positional leverage type guys that, that Khalil is. So I think you're going to see the Jets run um, more outside zone. I would, I think I'm going to go, and this is for more myself personally, look at what kind of running scheme specifically the uh, Bengals did last year because I, I'm not sure that it was more inside zone, outside zone, mid zone, wide zone, whatever it may have been. But I think this year you're going to see the Jets running off tackle more with the types of, of players they have. But um, like I said, he can cover his gaps with the hips. He gets his hand under. He's smart. He has a really, really strong grip. So even though he is a little bit undersized and sometimes he'll, you know, you'll see his upper body be getting flung around a little bit. His hands are absurdly strong. So he always has his hands on guys, uh, solid anchor. He can stonewall guys, but um, I think also something that didn't help him last year, you know, specifically with the, um, with the Panthers is that both of the guards around him were not very good in terms of stunt pickups and assisting on combo blocks and having knowledge of how to play combo blocks um, or even just zone plays, you know, tight hand versus catch hand, which I'll get into in, in, in my you know, film review on my show. Uh, it's a little bit more um, in-depth than I could really explain. But um, he's, a, he's a, it, overall solid, very solid uh, center, good mentality, and you need that for a, for a young uh, quarterback, like I said, identifying uh, defenses and things like that. So I'm really, really happy with the move. Just, just a quick question for you, Joe. Uh, just because you're excited about the uh, Khalil Mac, uh, Khalil signing, um, do you think that uh, Joe Douglas should try to get somebody like Trent Williams to try to complete the offensive uh, lineman for the season? Yeah, it, it obviously all depends on asking price. That's that's first what it what it comes down to. But yes, if you could get a guy like Trent Williams, um, who when he's healthy, I know he's had a little bit of injury problems problems in his past but I know you guys have talked about it I've talked about it before and it's something that the Jets have um, kind of withheld for the last couple of, you know the last decade is that they have a really good medical staff so I think they would treat him um, correctly and even if he is to miss a game or two if you're getting let's say you know he's still a top 10 left tackle very very easily in the league right now for you know 12 13 games instead of Kelvin Beecham who I think is 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 easily uh, below average at this point in his career um, and you could protect you know Sam Darnold with 
you know, Trent Williams went healthy, Clutchio Assembly and Ryan Khalil from last year of, of Beecham, you know, uh, Spencer Long and Carpenter. That's a massive upgrade on that left side. So anything you could do to help Donald in the offensive line, I am definitely down for. And listen, I, I know you'd rather get, you know, a, a left tackle who's 24, 25 years old, but we can't replace everybody on the offensive line with young studs, you know, in one year. So if you're going to surround him with a couple of veterans on that left side, you know, if they can play for for two, three years at a high level, uh, listen, that's all we need for now um, is, is a couple of years of really good play because everybody talks about it very, very frequently. How, how big is that window with rookie quarterbacks? It's obviously that first four or five years. So Going into a second year, if you can have Khalil and Trent Williams and Osemele for the next, you know, two, three years, if they play well, you know, get re-signed, et cetera, if they want to play, don't retire, whatever, like Khalil might, um, you, could win a, you could win a Super Bowl with that side of the line. Uh, you know, I think obviously you want to replace potentially Winters and, and Shell, but uh, that could be a, a formidable offensive line. And it's not like cornerback where, you know, at 31, 32 years old or even younger, uh, 20, 29, sometimes you see some, some drop off for running back. Um, you know, guys well into their 30s like Andrew Whitworth are still playing at a very, very high level. So um, I would be 100% down with, with getting a guy like Trent Williams. Hey, Joe, Joe, real quick, before we get into the defensive guys, mm-hmm. uh, get back to Mac for a second. How, how long do you think it's going to take him to get into playing shape since he retired and he had lost a lot of weight, I think, right after he retired and then he gained it back? Yeah, um, so he dropped down to, to 260. He He's dead and um obviously that's good i'd rather him be losing weight and staying lean and and having lean muscle mass uh even though i don't know how much lean muscle mass i guess you can have at 260 but he was cutting weight it's not like he was 340 pounds eating oreos and he became a fat slob you know so <laughs> he uh he went like back up to, yeah exactly so he went back up he jacked back up to 297 and that's right around his playing weight so he's at his playing weight so i don't, I don't think there's anything um you know, in terms of the athleticism, he said he was running sprints and he was at the USC uh, football, you know, college football team running with them. So I think he's in fine shape. Now, is he in football shape? No, not necessarily. But I, I think, you know, four or five weeks of getting hit and uh, I think he'll play a little bit, in, you know, very, very little in preseason, if at all. But he'll, he'll, he'll have four or five weeks to practice. So um, at first, he might look a little rusty the first week or two because he hasn't, you know, been in OTAs in camp. But um, in terms of his, you know, physicality and running and and his his fatigue levels I don't think that's that's much different because it's not like he just got signed two days ago where he like I said he was he's a fat slob he was talking to Joe Douglas for six or seven weeks so if you were thinking and you're kind of teetering on playing or not you're going to stay in, in shape which a guy in, in Ryan Khalil did so um he's at his playing weight so he just has to get you know couple of hits in them and, and get into into football type shape because you know you can get hit I don't know if you guys played football or not um, but listen, you, you get as ready as you want, but that first week or two and you get, you getting, you're getting helmets into your chest and into your legs and, um, getting blocked and getting blindsided. You are really, really sore for, mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks, especially to start training camps. So, uh, it'll, it'll a bit, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, uh, I, I would, I would GM and I think we're, uh, as as Jets fans, I think we have a lot a lot of positivity coming our way. Really love the guy, even if I've only known him for <laughs> personally. But even if he's just he's been in house for a few days, uh, a few weeks. Um, so now onto the defense, Joe. Uh, man, um, I know everybody loves Greg Williams. Uh, um, the sternness, the shouting. You know, he kind of. Uh, I think I think uh, somebody said that he pairs well with uh with Jamal Adams. Um 
what what was your um what was your overall uh view on on when you looked at uh Greg Williams film coming in to the Jets? Um yeah, so a, a lot of what I saw was with the um fronts that he uh, employed it, it was there was a lot of blitzing obviously uh guy and Todd Bowles also blitzed it wasn't like he, he didn't blitz he definitely had a high frequency of blitz the last couple of years um but a guy in Greg Williams who also blitzes a lot just used a lot of different fronts where you'd see you know middle linebackers guy at guys at 240 pounds lining up over over the center even with their hand you know in the dirt as like there would be outside linebackers who are 260 you know playing one technique so he's a lot of really crazy type of, of formations and fronts that really confuse guys and a lot of stunts, you know, TT, TE, ET, pirate, whatever they may be. So, um, and you heard a guy in Ryan clearly the other day, you know, like I said, when he got interviewed, um, who was saying he hated playing a guy in, in Greg Williams because you really never know um, what's coming. So the versatility he has on, you know, in the front seven is going to be absurd. You're going to see guys play everywhere um, on that defense where even a guy like Miles Garrett would drop into coverage. I think that was something that he did actually a little bit too much where he was dropping into coverage. Um, now on the back end of the defense, it's, it's typically, you know, it's typically cover three, cover two, cover one. Uh, and when it is cover two, it's, it's Tampa two. A lot of people said that was like his primary thing. Uh, when I watched the film, I thought there was a, a very healthy mix of, of one, two, and three coverages. Um, a lot of traps coverage, a lot of palms coverage, a lot of brackets, a lot of cones, which is a lot of, of reading for the cornerback. So I think uh, for a guy in Tremaine Johnson, who is obviously not fleet of foot um, anymore, and he never really was, he's, he is a smart player at that. So asking him to to read the two-to-one or the three-to-two or or to read the stems of, of receivers is going to assist him um, in his game. And I think he will take a, a jump this year. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy we signed him to be. But I do think, you know, in Greg Williams' defense, obviously he played with him uh, with, the, with the Rams for, what was it, a year or two. Um, and he, he was productive there. So I think he'll definitely jump back up, like I said, not to the, the level we want him to be at. But um, it's going to be very versatile, and you've already heard it through, through camp of how many guys he's, he's rotating in there. He likes to keep guys fresh. He likes a bunch of different looks. You'll see radar defenses, which are radar defenses, nine guys standing up with their hand in the dirt. Um, you'll see creeper blitzes, which are creeper blitzes, basically just sending three or four guys. So um, technically it's not a blitz because you're really supposed to be sending, you know, five guys to be a blitz, but a, a creeper is, you know, sending three, four guys from re just really different locations. So instead of, you know, the nose tackle on the two DNs coming, you're going to, you know, mix up the front, uh, have the defensive lineman with their hand in the dirt, only one of those defensive linemen go, then two corners are coming. So it's only three guys, but it's just from really odd places. So you're going to see a lot of that stuff from from Greg uh, Greg Williams. So it's, it's very versatile. Um, and I don't think he's he's top, top-notch um, defensive coordinator like the um, – I'm blanking on the Broncos, the guy they just signed from uh, – from the Bears, from the Bears um, um, whatever, whatever his, Vic, whatever, Vic, yeah. I know his Fangio. Fa Vic Fangio. Yeah, Vic Fangio. So I don't think he's that level, and I think there's a reason he's bounced around a little bit. Um, I think he's, he, I think he's very, very good. Um, but let's let obviously, I think we'll talk about. We're obviously going to get into the defense more, but um, he'll put a, he'll put his guys in position to succeed. I, I think the thing, the whole thing with oh the, the the safeties played so deep all the time. I think that was a little bit overblown, to be completely honest. Marcus May did the same type of thing where yeah it's it's called playing cover three or cover one it's you, the guy the guys is going to line up deep it's I, I think that was a little bit um, too overhyped and oh Jamal Adams going to play deep all the time uh, which would make <laughs> no sense when a guy like Jabril Peppers was playing in the box for them all the time so uh, people try to 
look at the negatives, but it's, it's a pretty versatile defense uh, for sure. Yeah, I was just uh, – you stole my question, man. I was just about to ask you about the angel position and everybody making a big deal about um, safeties playing so deep. <laughs> you answered the question anyway. But, um, yeah, um, I, I, think, I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about uh, Leonard Williams. I think he's kind of a polarizing player uh, for Jets fans. There's some Jets fans that, uh, that love him and a lot of Jets fans that <laughs> – that don't think he's the best player and you should trade him away for a third rounder. Uh, <laughs> after your film, after your film breakdown, man, uh, what did you see, man? You tell me, Sharman. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, so I, I know you, I know you watched, um, and to trade a guy, you know, of Leonard Williams talent away for even a second rounder or a third rounder, I, I think is absolutely ridiculous. You're not going to get a player that good. And, Listen, do you want him to produce a little bit more sacks than he has? Uh, yes, but as you know, you know Michael Nania, big stats guy, he's basically shown, um, and, it, and it, it correlates with the film well, the ungodly amount of, of pressures he's gotten versus you know, actually uh, you know, turning those into sacks. So it's, it's going to, um, I think it's going to kind of even out you know, over time where uh, he's at a, he's, like I said, he's at a, like, almost historically high number where he's just not converting them. And listen, um, as you know, when you're two gapping more, you have to read run, then pass. You're not just, you're not just penetrating a gap. If running backs there, he's there. Um, but it's a lot easier to turn a penetrating role in, you know, uh, in the run game into a pass rushing role in the, in the pass game. So when you're two gapping, it just, it just takes longer. Even that extra split second, you know, of, of stacking a guy and then having to get into a gap instead of just penetrating right away, uh, you know, it can take away some sack numbers. So uh, you watch this technique and now does he have problems? Yeah, sometimes he has inaccurate hands. Sometimes he pops up a little bit too high. Um, but you see some of the technique. And like I said, if you watch the show, I just did, you know, a week or two ago, whatever. There was multiple times where he was beating guys, guys' hands, laterally stepping away, uh, penetrating while, you know, while engaged with one guy, engaging with another guy with his other hand. So he's defeating two guys with, with his two different hands at the same time while, while rushing. So he, he's definitely very good. Um, he's on that pro ball level. He's still, like I said, a, a very, very good player. So um, th he didn't produce as much as some want. But uh, listen, he also was in a role that didn't really benefit him uh, greatly with that two gapping. And you also look at the edge position and, and who was around him. I know Henry Anderson was solid, but it's, let's not act like we have Von Miller out there, uh, you know, to, to kind of squeeze the pocket and make them step up into Leonard Williams. A lot of times where Leonard Williams would rush, and this is a, a reason for some of his um, kind of weird numbers, like I said, to pressure versus sacks he would penetrate up the middle and you had guys like Jordan Jenkins who took a step up, yes, but him and, and Brandon Copeland aren't exactly, um, you know, the best outside linebackers instead of, a, you know, in a pass rushing uh, role. So people would just, you know, whatever quarterback it may be, would just scramble out to the right, to the left, throw the ball away, um, or even complete it. So I think with, with more guys, um, you know, on the edge or, or even just blitzing with him, uh, confusion, you'll see much more productiveness out of, out of Leonard Williams. Uh, you'll see more stunts, which, which helps him um, because he is athletic. I think his athleticism and, and his short area burst and, and quickness is definitely his, the top um, kind of trait that he, that he has. So that will assist him. Um, and then having guys, hopefully like Chikai Polite, who will step up. And obviously the, the very obvious guy um, is Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams is going to take some pressure off him. He, he did get double teamed. He was getting read a lot. And even if he was single teamed on a play, you'd frequently see a guard or a tackle kind of 
um, hand checking him and having their eyes on him to to assist with Leonard Williams. So being in a more aggressive defense with with both stunts and pirates and more blitz, a little bit more blitzing, um, being in more of a penetrating role and more stunting, uh, it's going to you're going to see an uptick from from Leonard Williams this year. I can I can guarantee he's going to have more sacks needed last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let let me break. Let me let me ask something real quick. Um. As uh, we've been hearing about Blake Cashman, uh, he's been playing with first teams a lot. Uh, where do you see him fitting with that first team defense? Uh, it obviously depends on on the on the role. Um, in terms of uh, not the role, the the front that they're going to play, you're going to see him play weak a lot. I don't I don't necessarily you don't want him on the strong side. You don't want him taking on, you know, a, a fullback or or pulling offensive tackle on like a dart play, whatever. You don't you don't want him doing that. Um, and also you don't want him really at the mic either because Mike is – you have to diagnose a lot more. Um, you want him as a will where it's more run and chase. It's sideline to sideline type stuff. It's, it's, it's more uh, read and react instead of like diagnosing things. Um, even I guess read and react is kind of diagnosing things. So I guess I can come up with a better phrase for that. But he's a guy you just want to put his hair on fire and just let him run sideline to sideline. So you're, you're going to see him in a will role. Um, he does. He does still have issues, um, unless he fixed it in a couple of practices, which I severely doubt. In terms of diagnosing things, uh, diagnose, you know, diagnosing and, and figuring out how to take on blocks, not committing to a, a you know a gap too early, um, especially when you go with misdirection and uh, counters when the running back is going to punch step the opposite way. You'll see him overcommit uh, to a gap or jet sweeps or, or double reverses or whatever it may be. Um, you'll, you'll see him frequently be out of position. So you, you just want him to ask him to, to run sideline to sideline. He does have really good speed. Um, and I was definitely happy with that, with that pick that they, that they made um, with him in the, you know, in the fifth round. Um, and in coverage, he's a guy who, like I said, there are some issues in terms of looking at the quarterback a little bit too much or, or not getting too tight, you know, tight enough to his guy. But you're hoping with NFL coaching, he's going to step up in that area because he does have, you know, he did run a four five forty. He ran his three cone in under seven seconds. He had a good vertical jump. So he's definitely an athlete. Um, and I thought it was funny how coming out, like people, uh, he's a bad athlete or he's just an average athlete. You watch the film and it's very evident. He's actually a pretty damn good athlete. Now, is he, is he even, and this is just athleticism. I'm not talking about anything else. He's not Darren Lee in terms of athleticism, but he's definitely very solid. Um, so you'll see him in coverage. You're going to see him as a run and chase type linebacker, not being asked to diagnose things. But, you know, the run goes opposite. Okay, I'm going to, you know, I get to use my sideline to sideline speed, my my loose hips to to get under blocks on the backside, whatever it may be. So um, I don't think he's going to play a ton on the first team, but I, you're going to see him get some some reps in, in that will roll and some nickel rolls where they might, you know, spell a guy like, like Avery Williamson, who Avery Williamson, uh, he got a rep for being really, really bad in coverage. I think he's okay in coverage. Um, but he also has some uh, limitations in terms of his, in terms of his athleticism. He's he's okay, but Blake Cashman's definitely the better athlete in terms of being able to get into you know an exit angle or uh, a back pedal or being able to flip his hips and runs with with tight ends. You know, there's some things that that Avery Williamson just can't do that Blake Cashman can do. So uh, coverage role, um, will linebacker. He'll he'll spell guys like Mosley and uh, Williamson a little bit, but. Uh, I think he's going to have a, a larger role than typical fifth rounders do because I think they did get the the third or fourth best inside linebacker in the class. Joe, uh, uh, Joe, I know it's early in camp, but have you heard anything yet on how the defense has looked? Because all we've heard about is how great Donald has, has looked so far. Um, have you heard anything about the corners since we know how weak the corner position is? We, we've gone over that a few times already. 
Yeah. So the, the, the one problem with, with training camp is you're on the feet, you're on the field level with them when you go, if you do have the press pass, which um, I am lucky enough to, to have, but unfortunately I get out of work at four or five o'clock in the morning and practice starts at eight. So I think you're smoking crack. If you think I'm going to get an hour of sleep and drive the, to Florham park. So <laughs> um, I haven't been able to go unfortunately, but the problem is you're, you're on that field level and it's really hard to diagnose exactly what's happening. And also people don't really understand what people are trying to do and, and practice as well in terms of, okay, well, you know, train Johnson, this guy has, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a reduced split wide receiver. So he's tighter to the, to the box. And um, typically I play with, with outside leverage and jam him with my left hand, but you know, it's practice. So I'm going to try to play inside and jam with my right hand. Like people try things. That's why it's practice. So some things can be a little bit um, overhyped or overlooked, but in terms of the in terms of the defense, just guys I've been hearing consistently who have been stepping up. Uh, Tremaine Johnson's been stepping up a little bit more, even though he's been getting burned by Rob Anderson a lot as well. So that's kind of a, a worry, but he's been making some plays. But in terms of the corners um, and the defensive backs, obviously Jamal Adams. That goes without saying. He's he's always going. He's calling out plays. You know, Adam Gates hates playing against him, and, and there's a reason. He's a really smart player. He he knows what Miami's offense is. He knows what he's going to be doing um, for the most part, which could be a little bit of a concern because you don't want it to be too predictable because if Jamal Adams can diagnose it can a guy like you know Earl Thomas diagnose it so um that's that's something that I, I would like to see a little bit less of uh so I'd like to see Jamal Adams doing a little bit worse to be honest but Brian Poole has been stepping up you've you've heard that he's had um you know really good coverage on a guy like uh, Jamison Crowder who Crowder is a very good route runner Poole is not the most fleet of foot guy in terms of his and it's not it's not really because like it's it's more because of his weight. He's he's a guy who's two ten in the slot. He's not like Buster Freeman who's one ninety. So his weight and some of that power and some of the, the, the strength he has in press kind of um makes a negative in terms of his hit fluidity and things like that, where it's actually he's actually pretty fluid, but um he's a little bit limited because of his strength. But Crowder is a really shifty guy, a really good route runner. So to hear that he's playing, you know, uh, stride or he's staying stride for stride with Crowder, getting his hands on Crowder and, and playing tight coverage is definitely a good thing. Um and he's a he's a corner who you you want to ask him to think less. Um, you match him up in man, I'd rather have him in that role than, than be in zone because when he's asked to think and diagnose two to one and one to two and, you know, uh, asked to read quarterbacks, that's when he struggles a little bit. So um, I, I, he's been doing well. You've been hearing about, obviously, guys like like Mosley, who's an obvious. Uh, Quentin Williams is a guy who, uh, I don't know if you guys watched the, the camp highlights, but there's a few plays where um, he's literally – in the backfield at the mesh point where the quarterback is going to hand off the, the ball to the running back. He's dropping dudes. So Quentin Williams is playing well. Um, and obviously he's just a, he's a great freaking dude. You, you saw the videos the other day of him going around to, to kids and talking about Madden and his ultimate team. You heard him talking about playing with himself, which he then re- recognized how, how yes. weird that sounds. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So for the defense, like the guys I've been, I've been typically hearing about um, have, have been, you know, Quentin Williams, uh, Poole, Adams and then some of the other guys who've, who've been obvious like like CJ Mosley um so I'm definitely excited about about pool cool yeah um uh what about I know you you did a breakdown of Jordan Jenkins uh uh what what about Jet Jordan Jenkins would make him a better player than than we we Jets fans think or uh, what what or what is his level what did what what did you come away with when you saw his uh film breakdown um, yeah, so he's a he's a little bit different of a player than people think he is. He so he has some athleticism that's a little bit that's a little bit sneaky. He's never he's not he's not a guy who 
he's going to have like he doesn't have elite burst, but as I talk about like the five things you need um, with with a pass rusher or you know edge player to be really successful um, with that bend, the burst, the the technique, the arm length, um, and the strength. He has he has four of those in my opinion with with the length he has he has freaky um long arms I think he's in like the ninety seventh percentile or whatever like that or whatever it is in terms of like outside linebackers edge in terms of his arm length he has the strength he has a technique um and he has the bend but he doesn't have that burst so the burst definitely hurts him um but he he from watching his film he had a lot more bend. Um, that I think people, you know, recognize that he does. He he can bend a corner. He could he can give himself a, a softer corner as well. Um, in terms of bending up that arc and with with his hands and and knowing how to defeat guys with hard stabs inside, um, and then bending it around outside. So he is he's a better pass rusher than people think he is. Um, and there's a reason he got seven sacks or it was seven seven and a half. I don't think that was a fluke. Um, it wasn't a Calvin Pace, you know, seven sack, ten sack year where you know he they were getting so much pressure inside um, from different rushers that they just kind of fell into Calvin Pace's arms. I think Jordan Jenkins produced that by himself, <laughs> and and like I said, he has some of those traits. But the biggest reason for that was was the technique where we heard him training with, you know, a really good pass rushing coach and uh, I believe it's Chuck Smith in the off season. Chuck Smith, yep. And what he did was he learned how to stack moves, and I, I talked about that a lot, and I talked about it a lot last year where. Jordan Jenkins he would throw one move but he never really had a counter so you know you want to turn power in, into in you know a rip or a power into a, a hump move or a double swipe into a rip or a swim whatever uh, he was not doing those things where he would just throw one move if that one move didn't work he'd pretty much be locked up but he really learned how to how to stack his move how to counter um, last year and that's why he he produced more so I don't think it's a fluke year. I think he's going to continue to to produce. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a, a Khalil Mack or anything like that because burst is a really, really big part of pass rushing. It's probably if I had to label it down to one thing, uh, that might be the top thing. I would say that and technique are really, really important. And he doesn't have that, so he's never going to be elite. But I see him being a guy with with six to to nine, ten sacks on um, the next couple of years. Um, and one of the kind of bad things that I notice about him more than, than I thought I would uh, watching his film is, is his edge setting at times is a little bit inconsistent where he'll peek inside a little bit too early and he'll get beat around the edge. So I think he needs to work on that, but um, kind of odd that, you know, people think he's a really, really disciplined edge setter and a terrible pass rusher. When I watch the film, he's actually, you know, he's still a solid edge setter, but he's a little bit worse than I thought, you know, and a better pass rusher. That's why, um, you know, film matters and, and kind of talk, but going back to Leonard Williams as well. Sorry. Uh, something I didn't bring up is, is this, is this stat thing. And, and people don't really know uh, what they're, what they're watching. And the first thing they do, Oh, how many sacks does he have? You know, and automatically you go there and, you know, to, to his, his sacks and you see three and a half, four sacks. Um, and you, and you just assume he's not a good player when he actually really, really is. And he makes a difference in a lot of different ways, freeing guys up um, in the middle of that defense. So, um, with two of those guys, two guys who have been Jets for the last, you know, three, four, you know, going into year five for, for Leonard Williams. I think Jordan Jenkins actually has to be re-signed after this year as well. So those are two guys that I'm, uh, I'm hoping are, are re-signed because they're definitely big uh, pieces to this front seven. Yeah. Um, uh, what episode was that uh, you, you did the Jordan Jenkins and Leonard Williams? I, I mean, guys, if you could ever catch an episode of TOJ, I, I, that, I, that episode was one of my favorites, definitely. A surgical breakdown on 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 how how Leonard Williams actually is a better player than you think. Uh, also on Jordan Jenkins, that, that that was an awesome episode, Joe. Um, 
Yeah, if, if you just go, I think if you just type in uh, TOJ, um, like TO, let me say, if, if you type in, oh, uh, well, I don't know, it's, it was like three, four episodes ago, just, it's, it, just type in TOJ Film Room, just, just scroll down, it's, it's all literally in a list for you, if you can't find it, then I don't know what to tell you, so. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so, um, kind of continuing on the line of questioning about, um, about the about the front seven um what what do you think because it originally when you did your breakdown and uh, what i watched uh your 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 thinking of the fit for henry anderson and for um jordan jenkins on williams's different defense uh um, has your opinion changed now that they got cj mosley in and now probably um aj um williamson hasn't hasn't doesn't have to play mike anymore uh where, where does he fit where does henry anderson fit where does jordan jenkins fit uh, Jordan Jenkins was a little bit of an edge player. I don't really necessarily think you want to 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 put him inside, um, because he and and he will be sometimes. Like I said, he you know a guy in uh, Greg Williams would have outside linebackers as a one tech, which is you know obviously a very weird front for for a, a offensive line to try to diagnose. So he'll be in there sometimes, but I think typically you're still going to see him, you know, five technique. I don't, I don't want Jordan Jenkins to be super wide. Um, usually, you're typically with nine techs, seven techs. You're going to see them have really good bursts, which, like I said, Jordan Jenkins doesn't have. So, Jordan Jenkins is still going to typically be on the edge. Um, as I talked about with, with Henry Anderson, uh, he's a guy who I'm going – he's going to be a, a big part um, of, the, of the stunting, the, the pirate stunts. And he can win one-on-one, but I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be used to free up guys a lot where – um, as I talked about it before, I've I know I've talked to you about it, and you and your guys' show. He's gonna be asked to long leg a lot, um, you know, pirate stunt where he he'll be, where he'll be jumping from the a gap um, on you know let's say the right side all the way to the uh, c gap on the uh, on that on that same side while the guys who are both you know let's say a five tech and three tech kind of kind of uh, shift one gap into their left so that's a, that's basically what a pirate stun is so he'll, he's gonna be asked to long leg a lot he's gonna be a penetrator a lot because he takes up so much room as such a big body um as he is so he's gonna be freed up a, uh, freeing up a lot of guys in, in that defense so he's gonna be used I don't, I don't think he's gonna produce a ton um in this defense because i think that's going to be his role while you're allowing guys like you know quentin williams or, or, or leonard williams to hesitate a little bit read the read the uh the offense what's happening and then if you have a guy like leonard williams or Quentin Williams, who's coming free, uh, versus a running back. <laughs> good, uh, good luck with that. Or even versus an offensive lineman who's trying to to recover from the stunt, um, and they're not going to be able to get their hips in front of one of those guys. That's not going to be good for for really you know any any offensive front. So uh, Henry Anderson's going to be that 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 uh, he's going to be that penetrator, that uh, that long legger of the defense. Jordan Jenkins will be used out wide, and obviously um, you talked about Avery Williamson. He's going to be. Um, use a little bit more um, in that in that will role they said this this year, which is a little. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best fit for him. Um, like I said, I think he has solid athleticism, but he's not he's not C.J. Mosley in terms of athleticism. He's not Blake Cashman. Asking him to to run and chase is not the best fit um, in terms of athleticism. But uh, for him, there's times where he's a little bit over aggressive on that play side. So asking him to uh, to kind of just uh, like I said, run and chase, think less, blow guys up. That might be a little bit better in, in terms of the mentality because I don't think he's a super good processor. So that might help him out a little bit in that way. Um, so I'm really interested to see Williamson in that in more of that will role this this season. So I'm not sure that's necessarily a best fit, but I do think when they're, you know, in a in a four three, um, 
let's say it's a 4-3 over where he's going to be, you know, in the box and, and not out mm-hmm. wide, like in a typical 4-3 over where he's the stand-up Sam linebacker in that, in that 4-3 look, um, and you're asking him to, you know, take on fullbacks, take on offensive linemen, I think he, he'll, he'll be doing that as well. So um, we'll see how he's used. That's one of the most interested or interesting kind of things I'm looking at going to the season. But uh, Avery Williamson's kind of a guy who's he's being forgotten right now, and I think you'd be hard-pressed, and this is not just because I'm a Jets fan, but to find, you know – another four or five better inside linebacker duos in the league. I think they're top five inside linebacker duo right now. Uh, Avery Williamson is still a, you know, is still a very solid player. He's not on CJ Mosley's level. He's not, you know, Jalen Smith. He's not e- even uh, Van Der Esch, but he still is in that, in that top half of the league in, in, in my opinion. So you have a really formidable inside linebacker duo, but like I said, I am interested to see exactly how uh, Avery Williamson is, is used. And if he's uh, brought back after this year, because maybe a guy like Cashman, you know, steps up he, and, and he's, he can fit that, that will role. And then you can save, you know, six, seven, eight million million, whatever it is Avery Williamson has next year. But I still think he's a very solid player. So uh, that's going to be fun to, to watch in, you know, both the preseason and the regular season. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot of information here. Um, but I think one of the um, – talking about the, the Jets, um, we always talk about the corners being the weakness. I think one of the weaknesses that we don't talk about a lot is the depth at safety. Uh, can you please touch on, touch on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, it's a huge concern, and that's why when I saw Trey Boston, who I think is a – you know, he's a, he's a decent safety. He's a starting-level safety in the league, um, was signed for $3 million the other day. Uh, it, it, I think back to the Panthers is a little bit frustrating because – Marcus May uh, has been extremely injured over his his uh, first you know two years um, as a pro right now, and he's still in camp, and he's still with a red no contact jersey, and he's not able to you know play the the seven on sevens and all of that type of stuff or eleven on elevens uh, scrimmage type you know deals they have in practice. So um, you look behind that, you have Brandon Bryant, who is an undrafted free agent of last year, or he's actually taking the supplemental draft. Um, or he was in that draft. He was undrafted out of the supplemental draft. They got him. He's also injured. You have a guy on Rontez Miles who you, you you absolutely never want to use that guy in coverage. I don't know what, care what anybody <laughs> says. He's not a good cover safety at all. Uh, he should be in the box. He's almost like he's like a sub linebacker. He's not he's not a a safety in any way. And you have Doug Middleton too, who um, you know I liked him coming out of Appalachian State, but he's he's pretty tight. He's not he doesn't have great range to play in that high role. So um, you're looking at you know, you're looking at Marcus May, um, you know, coming out of the game if he does get injured, if he's not ready for camp, and you're going to be forced almost to put Jamal Adams more in a deep coverage role, which he's fine at, but obviously you want Jamal Adams in the box more than he's deep um, because that's where he makes a huge impact with his aggressiveness. So you, if, if a guy on Marcus May goes down, I think you're almost like forced to use, like I said, Jamal Adams in a role you don't necessarily, um, you know, want him in or he's not preferred to, to be in. So um, they need to sign a backup coverage safety, um, a guy who can get deep, who can who can run sideline to sideline, um, who at least can be a threat back there. Because I'm telling you right now, if if Marcus May goes down and teams see, you know, Montez uh, uh, Miles back there in a, in a cover three or cover two, they're going to attack him all day long. So um, that's something that's frequently overlooked when teams, you know, when people are listing the, the weaknesses of the Jets team. It's always corners. It's always offensive line. It's always depth at wide receiver. But I don't hear a lot of people talk about depth at safety. Um, and right now with corner, that's that's my biggest concern, especially considering Marcus May's health. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely something that uh, that I don't hear a lot about. But, uh, yeah, kind of a, kind of a little uh, – 
itch in the pit of my stomach over that. But um, <laughs> um, definitely, um, definitely. Uh, what are your uh, predictions for this defense? I mean, I know you hate predictions. <laughs> People like to torture you, asking you the questions you hate. But um, uh, what are your feelings on 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 what they could? Uh, how high or low? How how well they could do for this season? You know, it's funny. I think it's ever since I said I didn't like predictions, I've been getting asked about predictions more. I find that's how the world works or karma or I was an <laughs> asshole to somebody that I get. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so it's uh, – so the problem with the defense, and I, I've – you know, and it's funny too because I'll put a bunch of plays up of, of whatever it may be on, on Twitter, and then people that don't follow me come in back, oh, you're, you're, you're an idiot or whatever, just like criticize like the cornerbacks. And I, I've been talking about the cornerbacks. I've been talking about the, the safeties. And my issue with, with this defense is um, you have so much invested in the front seven. And even if they're not going for the playoffs this year, um, or you, you obviously want to be close and they're going to shoot for the playoffs. I'm saying it's not like a mandate. You're not going for the Super Bowl this year. We know that it's going to be, in, you know, in, in 2020, 2021, and that the Jets really need to take that run, sign some veterans, sign some big free agents, and, and, and push. And then, you know, you're – you know, uh, what, six, seven of Darnold might be a little bit of rebuilding type years um, where hopefully you can compete stuff. You're not really in that Super Bowl run, but and, and people are acting like because I criticize the, the corners that I'm acting like the Jets need to go for for a you know Super Bowl this year, which I'm not. But like I said, with that front seven where you have C.J. Mosley, who is highly invested in Avery Williamson, who's getting a decent sized contract. You have you have two first round draft picks with the with the Williams guys um, up there. You have Jordan Jenkins, who's a third round pick, which is still a, a quasi um, premium pick. You have, you know, you have Jamal Adams, who is the number six overall pick. You have Marcus May, who's a second over in a second round. So you have a lot invested in that defense, and especially in the, in the front seven. Like I said, with the Williams guys, the inside linebackers, um, even Jakai Polite, who's a third round pick. So I don't want to negate how good that front seven could be hmm. because of the corners. So I'm not acting like we have to have Jalen Ramsey and Casey Hayward on this defense, but I don't want teams to also be able to completely, you not not completely but but heavily kind of offset the front seven and their talent by just spreading the jets out and you know uh, and you know 10 personnel and, and force the jets to cover more because listen you know that front seven could be great the the pirate stunts all could be you know really well executed but if the quarterback is able to get rid of the ball in two seconds it doesn't matter uh, i know there's going to be you know uh you know, like I said, cones and, and, and traps and palms and things like that. They're going to kind of maybe take advantage of people trying to get rid of the ball quickly, but um, teams will catch on to that stuff. They know about that stuff, so they'll try to negate it as well. So I just don't want the front seven and how much talent they have, where if the front seven had just decent corners, this could easily be, um, I think if they put up their full potential, could be a, a, a top five to seven defense in the league because of how good that front seven is. You're right. hard-pressed to find a lot of better front sevens than the Jets have right now, especially in, you know interior duos with just like that inside triangle of the defense. We were talking about you know the safeties, the linebackers, and the defensive tackles, the interior defensive linemen. Um, and you're looking at that with <laughs> Jamal Adams, Marcus May when he's healthy, uh, you know, the, obviously the two inside linebackers and then two Williams. That's a really good interior of the defense, but – once teams start spreading you out and, and throwing the ball wide, you're taking away the, the, the strength of that, of that, you know, inside, um, you know, the, between the hashes of the, of the Jets uh, defense. So they need to sign somebody who's passable there. Um, and we're looking at Tremaine Johnson, who he's going to, he's going to play in a starting role um, this year, even though we, we might not want him to. And he's a big worry 
but he's not as big of a worry as a guy in, in Roberts who, you know, a couple of years ago was cut off a practice squad or signed off a practice squad and then worked his way up from like six to five to last year where he was a decent number four. That's all he was. was a decent number four last year. He wasn't standout fantastic when he played. And now you're, you're thrusting a decent number four into a number two role um, with Brian Poole, who is, he's, he's okay. You know, listen, there's a reason that he was signed for only a million and a half, $2 million as he wasn't heavily sought after. He He's very inconsistent. And that's just the, 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 the top three. Now, if one of those guys goes down, who is there? Like, like really, who is there? there there's absolutely mm-hmm. nobody behind them right now. You have, you have a guy in Meander, you have Perry Nickerson, who's a sixth round pick. Um, who, who proved very little last year for being completely honest about it. We're looking at Derek Jones, who made a few plays in camp, and now suddenly he's going to be a lockdown number two corner for some reason, um, which he still has a lot to prove. You have, you have no depth there at all. So we're not even talking about just the starters with, with no depth. We're talking about literally you know, every, everything. A, a, all the corners are a really big concern now, and I think you could um, make it finish as, you know, which it all depends on you know, how you look at it with stats, and you know, obviously the front seven is going to help them out, but – if you just looked at the corners versus other corners on other teams, you could you could probably say they're bottom five right now in the league with the front seven that could be you know easily top five. So uh, I just want to kind of balance that out a little bit. You know, sign a sign a Claiborne, uh, even though well he got suspended for four games, that might be a reason he's not signed yet. But you know, there's some guys out there you could trade for. Um, they have to do something with that with that secondary. Yeah, agreed, man. Uh, always. Uh... Thanks for your perspective because sometimes when you uh, follow Jet Jet Twitter, I mean, <clears throat> I love all Jets fans, but no, uh, we kind of <laughs> yeah, don't lie. We kind of kind right. of go over. They kind of go overboard, man. I mean, we need we we need people like Joe telling the truth. Uh, um, follow Joe, watch the film, see what the film says. It's the truth, man. It speaks the truth. So uh, instead of going around spewing stuff you don't understand. You know, try to learn and try to understand what's really going on. So we have a real perspective of what's going on with our team. If we're truly fans, I, I, I always say that's that that's what uh, matters over all, everything else. Uh, so, uh, guys, yeah, Joe. What about? I, I know this is not the defense, but mm-hmm. uh, the kick has been having a problem. Yeah. He's been struggling. Uh, is there any names that are going to be popping up that we might be able to get or Ross, other effing Martin? I don't know why. <laughs> I was at camp. I was at camp two years ago, or was it last year? And he was rocking like every single field goal. And I'm not talking about just like 35, 40 yards. Like he was hitting like 55 yards pretty consistently um, when I was there. And and I didn't see any problem with the kickoff. And even with that, with the kickoff, the new rule where obviously, you know, they're they're back a few more yards. Um, a lot of teams are trying to kick it to the one or two yard line now because you know, um, obviously going to the 25 now versus the 20. Teams are trying to pin him within that 25-yard line. So even if his leg strength was a weakness, it's almost it's almost a, a positive now for the special teams because of the, some, some of the rule changes. So um, they need to find somebody. You already had Kanzer who said he didn't want to play in New York. You know, that, that one year they tried to resign him after he had a decent year because of the cold. So he doesn't want to kick in the cold. He's already kicking like crap when it's 90 degrees out. Um, they, need to, they need to find somebody. I'm not going to, you know, I've done a film review on this guy. I think they should trade for him. But they need to do something because, as we know, you know, special teams, yeah, it's not as important as defense or offense. That's, that's crap for people who say that. Um, obviously, if it's absolutely abysmal and you're giving up three punt returns, you know, every other couple of weeks then or, or for touchdowns, yeah, it's terrible. But um, 
how many games, especially that the Jets are going to be in this year where they're going to be much more competitive, are going to come down to a field goal or two, a game-winning field goal, or even, oh, well, you know, crap, that, that field goal that we missed in the first quarter from 35 yards, um, now we have to go for, for seven instead of a field goal to tie this game up in the fourth quarter. You know, field goal, it, 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 special teams is a big part. Obviously, it's not as big as offensive defense, like I said, but but um, they need to find a kicker who's who's passable. It's we don't need we don't need uh, you know Justin Tucker, but we also need a guy who we can feel comfortable with hitting extra points and and field goals from within forty yards. So um, that's something that that's also that needs to be addressed. I don't, I don't think Joe. I, I have faith in Joe Douglas. Um, camp, uh, camp cuts are coming. They're, I think they're. I think he's smart enough. I, I really do have faith that he's going to sign. Um, you know, a backup safety. I think he's going to sign. Maybe not, or, or maybe not going to sign a, a big time free agent corner. There really are none. But I think he's going to sign. You know, a fourth or fifth string guy uh, to make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Not me. It's not doing it for me, but that will make me feel more comfortable. So I think you're going to you're going to see a, a corner or two. I think you're going to see a kicker. I think you're going to see a safety. I I, I think Joe Douglas is too smart um, to to not address those positions. It's not happening yet because there hasn't been been cuts. So. Did you did you hear anything about uh, what's his name uh, Mason Crosby possibly getting cut by the Packers because they have another Packer in camp that's been doing well? Did you hear anything about that? Because someone posted it on our page on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've ooh, Facebook. I know Facebook. I know Twitter. Yeah. Brutal. I know Facebook. <laughs> Jets talk is even more brutal. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, there's always a possibility. You know, you never really know. That's just like uh, when when they drafted uh, what's his name Elton Jenkins, that the, the center, I, I believe his name is. Um, Everybody was talking about them cutting their center. I forget what his name is, but they just moved him over to right guard. So you never really know what's going to happen. Just like Jets, you can't even listen to necessarily Jets fans with what with, uh, with what is going to happen. So um, anything could. Like I said, I, I you know if Mason Crosby Crosby's out there, he obviously has kicked in big spots before. He's a veteran, so um, I would be fi- completely fine with signing him. I would feel much more comfortable with him than uh, Chandler Catanzaro. Um, so I would definitely look into that if, if he was cut, but like I said, I think it will be addressed. I'm just not, it's kind of weird how it hasn't been a, at least not necessarily addressed, but why don't they have competition for him? him? It doesn't really make a ton of sense, especially when a guy like Ross Martin, I don't, I don't get the whole hate for that guy. Um, <laughs> but we'll see it's, it, it, they're going to, I think they're going to have to sign somebody else at this point. He's been absolutely terrible. Do you think not resigning Myers is going to come back and bite us or no? Um, so for, for, for cap, uh, reasons, listen, he got like what, like three and a half million dollars. He was a guy and it's kind of like the, the law of averages. He was a guy who's been terrible, um, for a big part of his career. That's why he's bounced out, bounced around so much. He wanted to be paid for like, like a pro bowler, but I can, you know, I'm very confident that he will not produce like a pro bowler. So yeah, if you want to chuck up another million or $2, um, sure. Uh, but I don't think I, I wasn't too mad about that. Uh, I would rather, you know, if you're looking at special teams, sign a guy like Andre Roberts, who's who's proven consistently that he's been, you know, a solid punt returner throughout his entire career. Um, Myers, I think you're gonna bounce. He's gonna bounce back out. He was like over ninety percent last year, where his average of his career was like seventy nine or eighty percent. So you'll see that number come back down. So I wasn't too mad about that, but I'm also not happy with them. Just you know, okay, well, Catanzaro is here. Let's sign him and not give him any competition you know he's clearly shown that he sucks and this is this is practice man like you, there, there should be very little pressure in practice if you can i think kicker must be it, it honestly it's a tough position um because you have so much riding on you know, on your plate at that big moment if you ha- if you're feeling that pressure in practice and missing kicks what's going to happen if you're you know game winning field goal to to beat the patriots in week six on monday night football you know so like right. it's it's definitely it's definitely a big concern they need they definitely need to address that true okay True. Any questions, Devin? No, I'm, I'm good over here. I asked what I needed to ask. Uh, 
Again, again, Joe, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Yes, uh, absolutely, man. Thank you, Joe. Definitely, definitely appreciate you uh, giving us your take on defense and everything like that. Um, for y'all that want to follow him on Twitter, y'all can follow uh, especially him on his TOJ Film Room, uh, TOJ Film Room uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can basically follow him on YouTube. Um, is it the same thing? TOJ Film Room on YouTube, correct? Yeah, you just type in you just type in Toronto Jets or or TOJ Film Room. You'll see uh, you'll see the green little logo of like the the old film things for like cutting and stuff that they used to use. You'll you'll see that um, on there. And then like I said, Twitter's JoeRB31. I still have reviews to do on Ryan Griffin. Uh, still have James Burgess to do. Um, and if people are obviously it might not be like, oh, well, like who cares about the, that those guys? It's because you're late to the party. And I've already done like a thousand reviews on all the starters. So you could always go into the moment, see that, go on TOJ. Um, film room on either the podcast app or uh, um, what is it called YouTube and and watch there's literally videos upon videos where you know it was in March when I broke down Adam Gase but if you haven't seen Adam Gase's offense it's not like that has a shelf life um, you know it doesn't expire quickly like other shows like hot takey type shows well who do you want to sign in free agency and all this stuff which um, you know are obviously have their place but uh, and I know well never mind but <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna say anything. I, I always gotta, I always gotta hold back a little bit. But um, go, go watch those shows. There's a ton of things in the archives. Uh, listens are, are always greatly appreciated. Throw a like out there. Throw a review. Those are always, like I said, greatly appreciated. So uh, go follow there. And then uh, once the season rolls around, it's you know, it's not like I'm breaking down film by myself all the time. I have a guy who played in the NFL for 11 years, and we break down the film together, um, which adds some credibility. Uh, and he'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks for the for the week one of the uh, season. Um, to talk some some football and what's better than you know hearing a guy who's played in the NFL talk about football and break down the film so you can really know you know what you're talking about instead of typing in pro football focus and oh they ranked him here I like him as well I don't know why but they said they like him so I like him you know, so. yeah. yeah just make sure y'all be on the lookout for TOJ Film Room on Twitter YouTube and the podcast and APAC and his podcast him and uh, Marcus Coleman podcast as well. Um, uh, <laughs> I want to say uh, thank y'all so much for listening to uh, us, Just Fans Podcast. Uh, next week is episode 50. Uh, We're we going to be trying to take in some questions. I might try to do something real special uh, because it's, we've been through a hell of a ride. We know Mike's has been messed up, scribbles, mm. scrabbles. You know, we've been through it all. Um I want to thank not just myself, but I also want to thank uh, Chris and Shaman for being on this journey with me. And also thank you to you, Joe, uh, Connor Rogers, whoever been on the show, uh, this show and support. We, we just, we're just the podcast trying to grow. We know we didn't expect much. We only expected just a little bit, uh, maybe a conversation per se, <laughs> but you know, it turned out more than, than what it is. So follow us at Jet Fans Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at NY Jets Fans Podcast. Again, this Twitter is Jets Fans Podcast, Jets Fans Podcast, and Instagram, NY Jets Fans Podcast. So until All right, Joe. next week. Thanks again, Joe. Joe. See you around, Joe. So, Thank you. So, yes. Until next week, take flight. Take flight. Take flight.